Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Why do you stand to your feet? Good to see you in the house of God. How many deal with allergies, anyone? If my eyes are red, that's why. I don't want, I didn't need no rumors. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. And I just pray right now for every man, every woman, every family represented. Spirit of God, God, we are dependent on you. We need you. We need your word. We need one another. We need your spirit right now. So walk amongst us and make these moments count for eternity. Draw people who don't know you. Lord, disciple those who do. Equip them for the works of ministry. God, give them faith on the inside. I pray for faith, hope and love, Lord, that would sit in the minds of Your people. I declare over them, each one of them, that they can be all that You desire them to become. I declare over them a champion. I declare over them restored. I declare over them this day that Your favour and Your grace is upon their lives. And I believe You to speak to them, to change them, to do the miraculous. I'm going to speak, do the rest, God, I pray. So Father, in Jesus' Name, every person watching online, I declare the touch of God over them right now, that You administer to them where they need it, Father. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Use Your Word to build me, strengthen me, and change me where I might need it. Holy Spirit, I open my heart to You. Your powerful name. Come on, all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Go ahead, grab your seat. Can we thank our worship team? Thank you, guys. The amazing Ishmael and others. You're all amazing. I don't want one of you to go, How come he never says I'm amazing? I want to talk to you along this thought today, the unusual blessing of coming to the end of oneself. The unusual, someone say unusual. The unusual blessing of coming to the end of oneself. I began to talk on last week that life is a gift and life is a trust and life is a mission. And to some degree, this is almost part two of that talk. We dive into Moses. Moses, the famous man of God, one of the greats of the entire Bible, born into slavery around 1400 years before Christ. Egypt, if you're not familiar, is really the superpower of that day from about 3,000 years BC to roughly about 1,000 years BC or around this time, they're known for their art, they're known for their accomplishments in architecture and people still go to Egypt today and are wowed by what they created. But they're also pagan worshippers of many different gods, the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, the Nile. And it's amazing as brilliant a nation or as brilliant as people become, sometimes their brilliance becomes their blind spots. Haven't you noticed that? 
Sometimes your education becomes the reason that you are unteachable. It's not about IQ, is it? It's actually about wisdom. And IQ is one thing, but God wants to speak to you and actually give you wisdom. And the Egyptians were incredibly smart and they were brilliant and they were educated and they were... But they were immoral actually. And the Bible says that King Pharaoh at that time began to give the uh, Egyptian nurses a edict that when a Egyptian, or sorry, a Hebrew boy was to be born, they were literally to kill him because the Israelites were spreading so fast and so quickly. And, and this is literally the, uh, the time that Moses is born into. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, that Moses was educated in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians and Moses is born and his mother floats him down the stream and then a princess picks him up. And for the next 40, someone say 40. The next 40 years of his life, he is educated in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians, their ways, their, their ideologies, their religion, their practices. He lives a very privileged life. He is literally a prince of Egypt. If you've seen the movie, you'll get a sense of how privileged this guy is. But one day, obviously, there's rumours at the palace. There's rumours that he maybe doesn't look like mum and dad. There's rumours floating about that how come I don't look like my brother and, and uh, maybe if you've had a brother or had a sister and they were older, they told you you're adopted or, or they even, I know someone in particular who faked a adoption certificate. Yeah, they really did. They literally faked it and the person found it was like, oh my God, I'm adopted. And the parents had to try and explain that's not your certificate. And how many know that's just evil? <laughs> they went, yeah, it didn't, hopefully the Lord judged them or something. I don't know. And so there are these rumours about Moses and somehow Moses finds out that he is not an Egyptian, he is actually a Hebrew. And then he begins to look at the Hebrews as obviously in a very different light. His perspective completely changes on how he watches his people. Those that used to serve him, he now sees them as his brothers and sisters. And then the Bible says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labour and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and he becomes so enraged and he snaps. And verse 12 says, look, this looking, this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand, which is where you should hide people. If you're going to hide them, hide them there, right? In the sand because the wind won't come at one stage and blow them and you'll find them later. CSI tip. Looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian, hid them in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought to himself, what I did must have become known and there is this obviously incredibly fearful moment where he has killed someone, hid them in the sand, and then he thinks it's secret, but it's not secret. And the rumour is spreading and even King Pharaoh begins to find out and he sends the, his, his, his assassins to kill him and Moses escapes. And really what happens is Moses comes to the end of himself. 
He comes to the end of his rope. He, he, he is trying to do it in his own strength. He has, watch this now, he has passion. Someone say passion. He has purpose. Someone say purpose. Now, how many know that passion and purpose are good? Say yes. He has passion and he has purpose, but he does not have a godly perspective. And he does not have godly power. And so he actually ruins things. And then he has to flee and he goes to Midian. He finds a wife. He has some kids. He gets some cats. He gets some dogs. But then he spends the next 40 years of his life as a shepherd. And a shepherd in Egyptian times is literally one of the lowest positions. He goes from the Prince of Egypt to the lowest position. And he simply is a shepherd for 40 years. And how many know if you've got passion and you've got purpose, but your dreams have been disappointed for 40 years, how many know you're probably starting to lose your passion? And I would assume by the age of 80 years old that he has lost all passion and he has lost all purpose and he is simply ready to go the way of men, which is to pass away. But then God shows up. And it's so interesting to me that when he's come to the end of himself at 40 and then he comes to the end of himself at 80, God is not done with him. Because God actually needed him to come to the end of himself. And then he finds God. In Exodus chapter three, we see the encounter, it's the burning bush and it's a famous passage and here's what it goes. It says like this, it says this, Moses, Moses. Someone say Moses. And he says, here I am. And God speaks to him and says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. How many know wherever God shows up, that's holy ground. Then he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. But this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slavery drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. I love that God is concerned about us when we don't know He's concerned. Verse 8 says this, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's the home of the ites. Let's just go there. It's just too... How many of you ever get stuck in reading the Bible? You're like, that's just complicated to say. Let's define them as the ites. Verse nine, and now cry, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, someone say, so now go. So now go at the age of 80, you're like, so now go to Florida. No. Now it's time to literally step into your, your destiny. He says, now go and I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Someone say, who am I? It is very obvious that at the age of 40, he is confident. At the age of 40, he is really passionate. At the age of 40, he kind of thinks he can fix it all. He is literally like, hey, I will be the guy that, that saves my people, but without godly perspective and without godly power, how many know sometimes you just create a mess? But at the end of his life, this once confident man who thought he could kind of save his people is now full of insecurity, kind of feels like his dreams are dashed, kind of feels like life is over and spends the next three chapters telling God why he should choose someone else. 
Have you ever told God that they should choose someone else? And I mean they, not they, God. Let me rewind. You didn't get that. Have you ever told God why He couldn't use you? I have. I'm like, Lord, I'm not talented enough. And I found out He doesn't care. He's not looking for the most gifted, most talented person you've ever seen in your life. He's like, oh, finally I can use this perfect little individual. No, he's actually looking for someone who sometimes has just simply come to the end of themselves and doesn't believe that they have all the answers and all the solutions. And I've found that it's not a moment of just faith. See, many people come to faith when they come to the end of themselves. But I wanna tell you this, it's not a one-time moment. You might come to the end of yourself in a marriage. You might come to the end of yourself in leading your business. You might be super successful, but for some reason you're super prideful. And it's not until you come to the end of yourself that God actually wants to put His true fruit in your life and in my life. And the unusual thing is sometimes, and and I might've prayed all week and read all week and thought about a leadership talk and thought about a Sunday talk. And do you know that it's sometimes like, Lord, I have nothing. And then He's like, finally. When you don't think you can put this thing together, that's when I'm gonna grace you. And I wish God didn't do it that way. I wish on Monday, I knew exactly what I was talking about on Sunday. I had my three points and I'm good to go. I sleep a lot easier. But I found that God likes me depending on Him. He likes me saying, Lord, I need you. You know, for years I was passionate about building men and men's ministry and so forth. And, but it was about four years ago that I looked at what I would call the men's ministry and connect groups of our church. And, and if I'm really honest, I'd rate it like a four out of 10. But I'd been doing it for 10 years. So what I could produce was a four out of 10 if I'm lucky. And finally the Lord's like, well, are you done? And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Do you wanna hear my strategy now? I'm like, yes, please. Because mine stinks. And it wasn't until I got the end of my rope, my leadership, my vision, my capacity, that God says, are you done with you? I'm like, yes. Do you need me to grow the church? I'm like, definitely. And then He gives His strategy And how many know that His strategy is different than your strategy and it actually has His grace upon it in your life? You might be like, oh, I can't fix my marriage. And He's like, good. I want them to change. He's like, no, I'm trying to change you. Just trying to help some people. (laughs) And Moses has this relationship with God that he comes back to God and God gives him a God-given strategy and he goes to Pharaoh and basically executes it and God does this miracle. But then the funny thing is it didn't work. Like it worked, but it didn't work. And so he goes back to God again. He's like, God, I sent the, the gnats. It didn't work. He's like, all right, now send the boils. He goes on back. He's like, hey, boils are coming. And it 
works, but it doesn't work. And Pharaoh doesn't let him go. And he's like, hey God, I, you sent the boils. I told him about the boils, told him about the gnats, told him about the darkness. It didn't work. And he has this relationship with God that he has to keep on going back for fresh perspective, fresh strategy, fresh power. Hear me again. He has to have this relationship with God that he needs fresh perspective, fresh strategy, and fresh power, fresh vision. See, I found this, that God doesn't give vision in a moment, fresh strategy in a moment. He doesn't say, here you go, now you can leave me. No, actually, he's like, I'll give you a tiny bit. I'll give you enough grace for this week. I'll give you enough grace for today. And then guess what? You go and do your thing and you're like, oh God, three months later, you're like, oh, you meant I should connect to you regularly. You and I need to talk. (laughs) See, at the end of the day, do you know what Christianity is? It is a dependent relationship. Have you ever tried to be just perfect? Have you ever tried to just do all the law? And how many know sometimes, how many ever set goals? How many know goals are some of the most frustrating things in all the world? (laughs) I'm going to start this. And then three days later, you forgot you even set the goal. (laughs) Am I the only one? I'm like, I'm going to do a 21 day challenge. And the next day I was like, what was I doing again? (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) But life has a way. To humble you. Leadership has a way to humble you. Family has a way to humble you. But faith has a way to humble you. And I want you to see that Moses had to go back to God regularly. That's why some people are like, I don't need to go to church all the time. And I would say to you, are you sure? Because the way God set up faith, this is annoying. The way God set up faith is you need it regularly. He doesn't download you a gift of faith that you never need to go to church again, never need to read the Bible, never need to pray, don't serve, don't give. You just have this magical faith. You walk around like I have faith. I don't need other people. The people that don't need other people in their faith are inauthentic. You actually become a hypocrite. And then you pointed everyone else, calling them a hypocrite. And Moses has this moment in Exodus chapter 13, and he has led the people of God out of Egypt. They are in the desert. And then all of a sudden, they are literally looking at a Red Sea and they're like, we can't cross this thing. And Pharaoh has this hardening of heart moment. And he literally says, I just let my workforce go. What in the world was I thinking? He gets prideful. He goes to chase them. He brings all the chariots and so forth. And he's about to capture them again. And the Bible says this in Exodus chapter 13, 14, sorry, it says this, verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They have just been judged by God. He has just set them free and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And watch this now, they said to Moses, watch the whininess and the defeated attitude. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? If you were Moses, wouldn't you say to God, all right, just kill them. I have, I have helped these people get out of slavery and now the first chance they have
have, they're whining at me and said, take me back to Egypt. Whew. Moses was patient. Verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people. I love this. Here's this great faith confession. Do not be afraid. Say that with me. Do not be afraid. Come on, say it again. Do not be afraid. How many of you know just because you say do not be afraid doesn't mean you're not afraid? It says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And there is this moment where Moses literally like, don't be afraid. It's all good. Watch this next verse. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Which means his public confession of faith. All of a sudden, he turned away. He was like, God, help me. This is sometimes what leaders do. It's all gonna be okay. God, <laughs> if you don't show up, it's not gonna be okay. Okay, I need help, I need it now, let's go. By the way, everyone, stay in faith. Stay in peace. You know, you know, in, in March when the world fell apart in 2020, and I got like when everyone everything shut down, I preached two messages on screen, and then as soon as I was finished with two messages, I was like, oh, not feeling that good. And I had COVID for the next 15 days. I felt very sick. And then I'm pretty sure Miriam had COVID too. And then our kids had weird little things. Like, so the world is shut down. I'm sick as a dog. And my wife's pretty sick. And then our kids would come up to us and go, my heart hurts. And I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I'm sick and she's sick. And, 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 and it was hope normally. She was like, Daddy, my heart hurts. And I'm like, freak. And this was when no one knew what was going on. We all thought the world was ending. And my little one's like, and, and occasionally Miriam would look at me, is it gonna be okay? And I go, it's gonna be okay. And on the inside, I then pray and go, Lord, is it gonna be okay? Because the world is ending. And I don't mind if I'm sick, but if my kids are sick, I'm like, oh. It was a funny parenting leadership moment where my wife would look at me and then occasionally other times they'd come up to us and they'd, they'd tell us something else. I can't remember what it was. It was like, my head hurts. And my wife and I would just look at each other with this little look in our eye. Is it gonna be okay? Yeah, I think it's gonna be okay. We better pray about this one later. And we'd tell our kids, it's fine. It's okay. Lord, it better be okay. <laughs> and he says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And he has come to the end of himself. And it is this unusual blessing of coming to the end of oneself and then needing the touch of God. Hear that again. There is an unusual blessing Every man in here, every woman in here, there is an unusual blessing 
of coming to the end of yourself because then you realise that you need God. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15 verse five. He told the disciples, I am the vine. You are the branches. Kind of sounds like, sounds like life is a garden, doesn't it? If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, He says, you can do nothing. Now, is Jesus telling me and you that you can't do anything without God? No, He's saying you cannot do anything of eternal nature, of eternal significance. You cannot do really what I have called you to do, to bear fruit the way I've called you to bear fruit unless you are constantly attached and dependent on me. You can build a business, you can have a marriage. How many know that not everyone that builds a business or builds a, a skyscraper or does something significant has God? No, you can do a lot of things without God, but you can't do what He's called you to do without Him. And you, you can't bear the eternal fruit that God wants you to bear. And you may be successful in one area, but you'll normally find another area begins to fall apart in your life. And you can't figure out why. And I'm telling you why, because there's a gap in your soul and there's a place for it and the only place that really fills that hole is God. Think of the seed for a moment. The seed, it needs water, it needs sun, it needs soil and it needs carbon dioxide. That's what it needs. God has set it up that that's what the seed needs. Think about your body for a moment. I don't know about you, I need sleep. Some of you need more sleep. You need food, you need water. It's the way God set it up. Let me share a couple of thoughts with you along why it's so important to depend on God. But I wanna share with you five quick things that you are dependent on. If I'm gonna have the faith that God wants me to have, if I'm gonna have a flourishing faith, if I'm gonna have a faith that lasts, a faith that perseveres, a faith that bears God kind of fruit, I wanna give you five quick things. I am dependent on His Word. How many know the Word brings faith? Faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the Word of God, but so does fear. Fear comes by hearing but faith comes by hearing. And God has set up your spirit so that you need His Word. You need to feed on it. First Peter 2.2 2 says, like newborn babies, He says, crave the spiritual milk of the Word so that by it you may grow. I am dependent, hear me now. A lot of people don't practice this nor believe this. I am dependent on His people. I am not just dependent on the Bible. Sometimes you meet people and, 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 and they read the Bible, they love the Bible, but they don't seem to like people. How many know you need people? Sometimes if all you have is the Bible, you become a weirdo. Because God, you're actually not listening to the Bible. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You know, this week I, I, I felt like I was like, man, I'm looking forward to Sunday. I, I saw on Instagram the, the picture of Sunday's coming on Saturday. And I was like, man, I'm looking forward to going to church. And it wasn't looking forward to preach. It was looking forward to being in God's presence with God's people. 
He was looking that, that I know I'd meet some people and hang with some people and get encouraged by some people and stuff. Why? I don't just need God's Word. I need God's people. They are a gift to me. I am a gift to them. We are a gift to one another. And it's either insecurity and fear that stops you connecting to people or it's pride. But either way, you have to deal with it. And the way God has set up your faith is that you have to depend on people. You're like, people might hurt me. Have you ever been to a restaurant and they gave you bad service? Do you still go to restaurants? I never quit going to restaurants because I had a bad waitress. Some people quit going to church because they had one bad experience. I still go to church. Actually, God's trying to teach you something in the bad experience. He's trying to prune your faith. You know, the first year of our church, I used to have this guy that was an older Christian and he, he, he had the, the blessing of coming up to me, after me after services and tell, telling me everything I did wrong. The first year of our church, I loved that guy. He was great. And he thought his spiritual gift was telling me where I miss God. Where were you, Fernando? I would have said, listen, handle this guy. Marco, where were you? You were nowhere to be seen, let me tell you. I am dependent on the body. I am dependent on His people. Ephesians chapter 4 says that God has placed pastors, preachers, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and the prophet to equip the saints for the works of ministry. Therefore, if I disconnect from His body, what do I, I, I disconnect from equipping? Number three, real quick. I am dependent on His Spirit. I am dependent on the Spirit. First Thessalonians tells us we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I am dependent on the Spirit. Jesus told His disciples, listen, I'm giving you a mission, but I'm giving you power. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I need His guidance. How about you? I need His wisdom. How about you? John 16, 13 says, But when He, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He'll speak only what He hears and He'll show you what is yet to come. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit at different moments in my Christian journey has shown me things that I need to know. I'm dependent on His Spirit. I'm dependent on prayer. Luke 18 verse 1 says, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know, prayer doesn't have to be long. I just wanna say this. Prayer must be relational. So many Christians deal with guilt around prayer. I don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. Well, what's enough? Just stay connected regularly. And when God prompts you and convicts you to pray longer, then pray longer. But so many Christians feel under this obligation of, oh, I have to pray. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. When I have to pray, I've lost sight of who I am praying to. I'm praying to the King of the universe. I'm praying to the God who is the help of my soul. I'm praying to the One who is an ever present help in time of need. I'm praying to the One who is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Come on, am I preaching to anyone today? I am dependent on prayer. I am dependent on prayer. Man, I'm telling you this. If it wasn't for prayer, 
<laughs> I'm telling you, 15, 20 years of following Jesus, I'm telling you a secret sauce. In my life, it's been prayer. It's been prayer. It's been prayer. How come you're blessed? How come this? I tell you this, it's praying. And then strength comes from praying. Strength to overcome. Strength to say no. Strength to say yes. Man, I need prayer. Why do we fast as a church? Just to please the Lord? Just to kind of make brownie points to Him? No, we're already justified by faith. But we need Him. Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. There's some faith that you only get by praying and fasting. Are you with me? I I am dependent on giving. And I, I don't just mean my finances, I mean my talent. I mean my time, but it is my money as well. Why? Because that's the thing that leads my heart. How about you? I'm dependent on it. Listen to what Jeremiah 17, I'm gonna go to verse seven says, but blessed, someone say blessed. You know, the Bible word blessed is a big word. It means happy, it means prosperous, it means successful, it means to be envied, blessed. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like tree planted by the water. Can I tell you, I've lived long enough to see that the longer I live, the more I see that if people will do this thing, they will flourish. Are you hearing me? The longer I see, the longer I live, the longer I see families, the longer I see that if we'll be that person, man, there'll be strength, there'll be blessing. It says this, that it sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought but and never fails to bear fruit. There is an unusual blessing of coming to the end of oneself. Let me share this last story and then I'll close. In 1963 in Israel, a 2,000 year old seed was discovered in an excavation. And they discovered in year 2000 and they had it sitting in a desk until 2005. So this seed is thousands of years old and it produces no fruit. And then finally a botanist takes the seed and was like, this seed's 2,000 years old. I mean, what's the chance of it actually bearing fruit? And they go and they plant it and then they water it. And to their surprise, this plant begins to grow. It's called Methuselah. They named it one of the oldest seeds to ever be found. But here's the thing. It had all that potential for thousands of years. But in the wrong environment, it produced nothing. But in the right environment, it produced incredible fruit. Your faith, your spirit in the wrong environment will produce nothing. But in the right environment, a dependent environment, a a environment that says, God, I need prayer. God, I need the house of God. God, I need the Word of God. God, I need people. I need people to encourage me. I need people to speak truth to my life. I need people to 
to almost rub up against me and almost be the friction so that it deals with the nonsense in my own soul. I need that, God. I need not just Your blessing, but I need Your correction. And in that environment, guess what happens? You begin to grow. You begin to bear fruit. See, some of you in five years from now, if you'll choose that environment, it doesn't take weeks. I wanna tell you this, it takes months and it takes years. But if you will continue to put yourself in the right environment over these next couple of years, in the next three, four, five years, you'd be surprised that when someone grabs the apple off your tree and eats it, they're like, ooh, tasty. But if you don't, there'll be no fruit. Or when they eat that apple, they'll look and go, oh, you look good, but there's worms. All across this place, close your eyes. Father, I thank You for every person here. I thank You for those watching online. God, You know every mind, You know every heart. You know where this needs to hit people where they need it. So God, I trust You to cause this Word to bear fruit. God, speak to people, I pray. God, speak to people, I pray, where they need to adjust some environments in their life. Oh, begin to give them almost a dissatisfaction for some of the things that they've been hiding in and spending their time on. Let it almost feel like, oh, I just don't need it anymore. Father, I just pray for Your people now, their mind and their heart and their strength. I pray for every family represented that You would strengthen them and touch them now. In Jesus' Name. Come on, just in a moment of prayer. Would you just tell the Lord, Lord, I need You. Say it again one more time. Say, Lord, I need You. Say it again, I I need You. I need Your Word. I need Your people. I need Your Spirit. I need it, Father. While eyes are closed in this place, in a moment of just prayer, reflection, asking the Holy Spirit to take this Word and deal with it the way He needs to in your life. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're here watching online and you would say, Anthony, I have a concept of God, but I do not know I know if I know God. Jesus said in John 17, verse three, He says, this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. If you don't know Him today, God doesn't wanna give you a religion. He wants to give you Himself. The difference between Christianity and every other religion is that it's mankind trying to get up to God. Christianity is God coming down to get to mankind. He says, if you'll trust in me, if you'll trust in the person of Christ, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, that He is alive and well today, that He knocks at the door of your heart. He said, I will forgive you. I'll come in with you and I'll be a friend to you. But I'll be more than that. I'll be a Saviour and I'll be a Lord to you. And I won't be some capricious Lord. I'll be the Lord of heavens and the earth. I'll be good. I have a plan for your life. 
all across this place if you don't know God. You say anything, I'm not sure if I know God. I used to know Him, but I know I've run away or slipped away or fell away. In this moment right now, I'm gonna ask you to say yes to Him. I'm also gonna ask you, if you feel like you know you're far away from God, you know you're backsliding and running away from Him, just to take this moment as a moment of surrender to Him, to bring Him the things that would hinder you and bind you. So all across this place, you're saying yes to Jesus. We're gonna pray a simple prayer. Or you're coming back to Jesus. We're gonna say a simple prayer. And that moment will be the moment where Jesus invades your soul. So come on, Church Alive, let's pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I need You. I invite You into my heart. I turn to You. I trust in You. I no longer trust myself, but I trust You. Make me Your child. Plant me in Your house. Fill me with Your Spirit. From this day on, help me know You, discover You, and help other people know You as well. In Jesus' Name I pray. While eyes are closed, all across this place, if you meant business with God, would you quickly raise your hand, raise up high, all across this place, all across this place. Thank You, thank You, thank You. That's awesome today. Thank You, thank You, thank You, thank You. Hands going up all over. That's awesome today. Thank You, thank You, thank You, thank You. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I pray for every hand, every heart, that You would touch their life in a significant way. Lord, I speak the blessing of God over their life and I pray even as they walk out this place, that they would sense Your Spirit and the difference that it makes and they'll begin to grow like never before, Father, in Jesus' Name. Come on, can we give those people a hand who said yes to Jesus? 